Hey guys, welcome to Backroom Talk, the place for candid conversations about fitness. In this week's episode, we caught up with my client, Opex Curl owner and coach, Melissa Guitron. I would love to hear from you in one or two sentences, what's it like to have Carl as a coach? Melissa has been in the coaching game for nearly a decade and is one of the best. In this episode, she delivered some reality checks on the pandemic, personalized fitness, and periods. For like the group fitness instructor right now that's trying to get into the ID game, and I think templates can be used, but it ultimately comes down to your consultation, your ability to see the person in front of you. Melissa became a professional coach by taking our coaching certificate program. Learn more about the program and OPEX Fitness by heading to opexfit.com. Honestly, Melissa, you have so much history with OPEX and there are so many ways that we could go in this conversation because of that. But one thing I really did want to start with is acknowledging the fact that you are Carl's client. And I would love to hear from you in one or two sentences, what's it like to have Carl as a coach? And be honest. I'm right here, Melissa. <laughs> I'm right here. <laughs> um, you know, I have to admit, I was pretty hard on Carl when I first got him as a coach. I'd been with my coach for over five years, so transitioning was um, a little bit of an adjustment, but it's been an amazing last almost two years now. Um, and I think it does benefit that I'm slightly more seasoned as a coach myself, because he does provide the perfect amount of autonomy to let me grow into myself, um, while also providing the structure and support I need. I mean, there isn't a consult that we don't get on that I'm like, wow, that went a completely different direction than I expected, and uh, it makes me a better coach because I'm continually learning from him. So it's been great. Those are some nice words there. So to wrap it up in one sentence, fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> fucking awesome. <laughs> oh, so I guess back at Melissa. Carl, what's Melissa like as a client? Oof. Um, gosh. Easy. Yeah, she's easy. Um, and, and I say that just because she has her shit together, right? So it's like, um, and we, we all... You know, we all coach people, right? It's like everyone in this room coaches people except for Emma and Kiva, uh, but they get coached. They coach um, us. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we all, we all coach people, right? And it's like the biggest pain in the ass is when you have to convince someone why they have to do something, right? And that's never been the case with Melissa. It's, it's more been a peer-to-peer uh, -peer conversation. We come up with a game plan together. She's looking for direction. Um, and I give her that direction and it's like a, it's a nice ebb and flow and you know we talk about you know the exercise program and cycle to cycle and everything just kind of builds off of each other and we we have a good enough relationship where it's like hey Melissa how have you felt the last four or six weeks and she's like I feel fucking great let's not change too much it's like okay we have to change some things because I want to progress you but we're gonna stick with the same we're gonna stick with the same theme we're gonna do the same thing. Like since Melissa and I work together, it's we do resistance training on Monday. We do uh, aerobic work on Tuesday. We do a resistance training on Wednesday, Thursday, active recovery, Friday, resistance, Saturday, aerobic. And that's been it for the past two years. And we've kind of built that over time. And I know you said one to two sentences and this is like 30 sentences, but uh, she's easy because she's consistent. And she's fun to work with. And I love having conversations with her. Well, my heart is very warm <laughs> to hear you guys speak so fondly of one another. So fucking awesome. Fucking awesome. <laughs> Gosh, I don't know what my coach would say about me. I hope he says that. So, Melissa, sounds like you're an easy client. You're consistent. You're fucking awesome. I would love to know, like, how did you get to being that consistent person? Like, what has your journey been over the last 
however many years to consistency and why are you so consistent? Why do you, why do you have that great rhythm? I thrive off rhythm and routine. So first, first, I have to run my business. Um, so I think from day one, I've always looked at owners that were, you know, I've always been kind of the youngest one in the room. So I was looking at what my future looked like and what I didn't want it to look like. So the 40 year old guy that looks slightly burnt out and underrested and slightly has a belly, like I never wanted to be that person. So it was always like, what do I need to do in the self care realm to make sure that I stay healthy and vital and reflect health, right? Um, as I age. So I think that's what kind of drew me to OPEX in the first place. Um, and working with the coach myself was, I just knew what I didn't want to be. And I knew I had to go to a different path to not do that. Um, and then just like the habit and routine is seeing what makes you feel your best, right? So it's like, I know that I need a little bit of aerobic training to feel mentally good. You know, so that's been my conversation with Carl's like knowing what feels good and what doesn't. And um, if I want to do this for the long term, I have to enjoy it. Have you always known the difference between feeling good and feeling bad? Oh, totally not. <laughs> uh, I mean, there was probably a very good period, even working with an individual coach where I thought some things were just normal or a price you kind of paid to be a certain way. Um, you know, and so what I mean by that is much more of, I didn't get a period for probably five years. And I just mm -hmm. kind of normalized that, that to be at the body weight I was and to be able to work out how I thought I needed to, that that was just a price, price you paid for it. Um, and so working with Carl, it's been really nice to learn that that doesn't have to be the case and that you can find balance with food training and also still look the way you want to and feel the way you want to in your skin. Um, so that's definitely been a journey. And I think some of it's, you have to go through it a little bit, right? I think when CrossFit first came out high intensity and doing double days was like normal and something you can do when you're in your twenties, you know, as a coach that didn't run the gym, there was no problem doing an AM and a PM training every single day, like my life allowed for that, but the older I've gotten, you know, my trainings had to adapt and evolve with me. Yeah, to, to be fair, um, you're, you're a little bit out, out of balance right now. What are you on day five of uh, not eating solid foods right now? <laughs> oh, and we're asking you to hold the conversation. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Melissa. As Carl did say, um, by day five of the cleanse, like I feel pretty great today. So I was nervous about booking this. I was like, I'm gonna be I don't know if I'm going to be cohesive. Like I programmed two and a half weeks ahead because I was so scared of like how I'd be. And I feel perfectly fine. So one thing I think we should uh, introduce uh, for those that haven't met you in the OPEX world before, Melissa, what is it exactly that you do on a day-to-day -day basis? Um, so I do own an OPEX gym and I still full-time coach within my facility. So daily life looks like balancing um, my coaching my floor coaching and also running our gym and taking care of my staff. Um, so we are 100% fully ID. We've been in ID gym for the past almost three years now. So two and a half going on three. Um, it's been a great experience. Uh, I mean, I definitely love what I do. I think it is feasible to create an individual design gym that uh, can house full-time coaches. Yeah, elephant in the room, Melissa, the COVID. <laughs> Right. It's like what how has this impacted what you do as a coach, how you work with your clients, your service offering, the whole nine. Like what what have you done to pivot uh, since what March you guys completely shut down? I know that you guys are back open right now, but what did you do um, to, to kind of combat all of the barriers that that COVID put in front of us as fitness coaches? You know, so I think we were put in a very unique position where uh, 
our client base and our gym was meant to thrive in this scenario. So being an individual design gym, our clients were already set up to go into a remote setting if need be. Uh, so by already having everyone in true coach, that was a very easy pivot for us to make. And also just the longer term and in-depth relationships you create with a client on an individual level that can't happen in a group class setting, right? So the first month I'd say was a lot of consult time. Our coaches were doing more consults than we normally do um, when the gym is fully on site, uh, setting our clients up for success and being realistic that this is an unforeseeable next future. Right. So we made no false promises that, Hey, we're going to do a three week at home thing until the gym reopens. We took a longer mapping with our clients of like, Hey, if this is what our, our future looks like for the next six months, how does that sit with you? What can we start putting into place so that we're continuing to make progress at home? Um, when you're not inside our doors. So that was like our biggest pivot. And then also the moment that our doors shut, we did allow our clients to borrow equipment so they could continue to feel that connection to lifting a weight. I think it's very hard to go from being inside a gym three to five times a week to being at home doing body weight every single day. So trying to make that ease of so many changes happening as smooth as possible. Are you, uh, are you screwed if, if you guys close back down and let's say that you guys are closed for the next six months. What are you, what are you going to do? Well, we just resigned clients this month. Um, and of the 10 I resigned, they renewed on two year contracts. So safe to say, I'm not concerned about that. Um, you know, even if our doors redo shut back down, we're prepared to continue to work with our clients in a remote setting. Um, you know, so again, taking that longer term map out with them when our doors reopened, it was a really great thing but we still have a lot of clients that continue to opt in to train at home, you know? So I'd say right now we're about 25% on site, 75 still training at home. Um, and they're happy doing that, right? As long as they're still continuing to get face time with their coach, uh, right now it's on a bi-weekly if need be time, they're thriving, you know? So I think the unique thing about being an OPEX gym is you do create a, create a stronger bond with people that you can't do in a full remote setting, I would say especially for the population we work with. So we do work with a lot of general pop or people that are still really not like they're normalists. Like they weight lifted a little bit, but they're not truly experienced. So I think in the beginning, they really do need hands-on training and work with a coach. But for me, at least a lot of my clients have been with me for four or five years. So they're actually finding that they're thriving on their own and um, actually trusting their ability to do their training, right? Like they relied on me to, for their coaching on the floor, but now they're seeing they can do it just as well without me there. So it's been pretty cool to see. I know Carl shared with our team uh, an article in, was it the New York Post? Yeah, it was New York Post. Yeah, yeah, that really had some dire, scary statistics that a coach could look at. Uh, it was around clients not wanting to return back to the gym and basically foreseeing this future where people didn't see the value of having a gym membership anymore and really did it on their own. Is that a fair representation? Yeah, yeah, there was actually, so this was last week. Um, it was N equals 2,000. So they just surveyed uh, 2,000 people, Melissa, from all over the country. And they asked them a series of questions. One of the questions was, will you go to or go back to a gym after there's a vaccine and this, there's no more pandemic and we're all, we all feel good to go wherever we want to go? And 75% of them said no. Um, but the reasons were 
the reasons were different than what I would have thought. I thought it would have still been around fear and not wanting to go in that environment and breathe other people's air and respirations and stuff like that. And that wasn't the case. The case was actually these people found autonomy and their own fitness at home and they found it through various methods, right? So you, you talked about resistance training and your clients having a background in resistance training, Melissa. This, uh, this survey, um, it was like 0% of the people in this survey lifted weights. It was yoga, it was meditation, it was walking, it was hiking, it was doing some push-ups every now and again. It was more just like moving their body and, and kind of reconnecting to what they used to think fitness was or being introduced to fitness because 25% of the 2000 found fitness during the the quarantine pandemic um, so the the numbers stood out because people aren't going back not because they're scared but because they feel like they found a way to do fitness in the comfort of their own home it's efficient it's low barrier they don't have to worry about going to the gym and uh you know feeling intimidated with the people lifting weights around them and all of that um, and they're just like this is cheap. I can use a fitness app and I can do this thing. So I think where, you know, your opportunity is, Melissa, and our opportunity is we can coach those people, right? Because resistance training is fucking very important for a lot of reasons outside of aesthetics and building muscle and stuff like that. But when we look at health and longevity and resilience and all of that stuff, resistance training is still king, right? So someone needs to teach those people that resistance training is very, very important and there's a way that you can do it at home, right? And I think that's where you're making a massive impact right now, just hearing your numbers of like, you know, 70, 75% of your clients are still training at home. And I guarantee all of those clients are doing some form of resistance training. So yeah, that, that, that study was, was really interesting to me. And there'll, there'll be a number of studies that come out and there was another one yesterday, um, or sorry, this morning that came out and it was around, it was, I think it was like N equals 500 or something like that, so a little bit lower, but it, it showed that 60% of people would not go back to the gym. So it's like, yeah, we're gonna get a fucking massive range, but I think it's important to say that, for us to understand that an amount of people will not go back to gyms, right? So as coaches, we have to cater to those people, right? It's, it's obscene if we're like, okay, that's not our target market, because mm -hmm. it's like our target market should be the majority, right? So if we're targeting the 25 to 40% of people that want to come into our gyms, I think we're gonna fail right now. And this shit may change in two years, but right now I think we have to adjust with this thing. So following up from that, Melissa, how are you number one, providing value and number two, like communicating that value to those 75% of people who don't think they need a gym membership after this? You know, I'd say a testament to that is people are realizing they don't need a gym as much because they're probably feeling better. Right, we just lost a commute. We've lost some of the stresses of day-to-day -day errands. Sleep quality for some may be improving because guess what? Now they don't have to get up at five o'clock to go to work. They can sleep an extra hour. So I think there may be just a residual feeling of like, hey, when I'm actually sleeping enough, when I'm actually eating home-cooked meals versus takeout because it's less available, I feel better. Right? The need most people go to a gym to feel more confident in their skin. We'll start sleeping better and eating better, and all of a sudden we feel ten times better and how we're, we, we show up, right? So the thing that gets overlooked over time with that is yes, we may be feeling better, but then we wanna go do things. Like I wanna go run and I wanna go ride my bike and I wanna go hike with my kids, but my knees hurt now, right? Or we're starting to see some aches and pains come out because they're still deconditioned. So I still think we fit into their lives just in a different form than we did beforehand. 
right? So maybe now they're not coming in to us for six packs, but they want to feel good when they go take their kid on a bike ride and not feel winded after a mile in, you know? So I think um, showing that we can still give them structure and framework so they can do the things they want to do with these. Yeah. Yeah, I think we can look at, you know, how we've dealt with this quarantine and we talk about it a lot. Um, as a team on the OPEC side, we ask questions a lot to to our staff and, and our clients even within our bubble. And it's like, do you want to go back to the gym? And a lot of our staff says no. And the reason is a little bit different and it's similar to what you just said. It's like, I found a level of efficiency with not having to commute 30, 60 minutes a day, two ways, right? So I wake up, I can do my version of fitness right? That's given to me by my coach. And I can finish that thing at seven o'clock in the morning and I have the rest of the day to do whatever, right? So when we start to organize our brains, um, you know, around what it will look like and feel like to go back to normal, it's like we start to think about the commutes and the shit that we got used to not doing over the past four and a half months. And we're like, ooh, that doesn't, that's not a great idea. Like me, I've been driving, I've been driving, you know, 20 or 30 minutes to and from the gym the past couple of weeks just because I wanted to kind of get get back in here. And uh, the only positive that came out of that is I get to listen to more Audible. That's it. That's that's it, right? It's like I'm wasting more time. I'm getting less done. I'm working later in the day because I'm not starting my day as early as I was through quarantine on the on the work front. But I think uh, I think we're finding our new normals right now and it's going to be hard to go back to the place that we were at prior to this. And I think a lot of people aren't going to go back to that place. No, have you seen like in your clients and your community a shift in their priorities and their ideas around what their ideal of fitness looks like? 100%, I mean, I think it goes back to what Carl just said, is like fishing that community. We had the conversation ourselves and I was like, I don't, I'm not excited for the gym to reopen. Like, <laughs> and he's like, do we have a conversation? I'm like, no, I just like, you know, not getting up at 4.30 is really nice, you know? Like, so there were some takeaways for even our team on like what we wanted our new normal to look like going back into reopening and what we didn't want to bring with us. Um, and it's the same way for a lot of our clients, you know, at least being in the Bay Area, most people have an hour to 90 minute commute every single day and that's gone, right? So it's like, uh, they're pulling out their bikes that they like have been sitting, those bikes that sit in the garage, you're like, why do I have this bike? I've never used it. Like, Cool downs are now like, cool, I'm riding my bike for 20 minutes. You know, um, the kids are starting to like adapt to like, this is normal that mom goes into the garage and does her training. You know, I hate to say it, but they get a close to a kettlebell swing once and they learn like, hey, I stay over here and I do my thing. And then mom comes back and plays with me, you know? Um, so we're seeing that more and more of like, it's just becoming an evolution of like, this is family lifestyle. The parents take care of themselves but they're also then being more active with their children because the kids are home now too. And that becomes a form of fitness in itself. Um, so I think the cool thing about being an individual design coach is like we can make that program fit for that parent, right? Especially right now with kids home, we can make it fit in where you're doing some of your strength stuff, but then a lot of your aerobic training is part of the things you do with your children, you know? Um, so that's been the really cool evolution of this whole thing. Gosh, Melissa, I see you as like, such an incredible uh, community creator. And uh, through everything you put out online, uh, the way Kura operates, it looks like you guys just have this amazing, vibrant community. Does this shift and more of your clients working out at home change that at all? Not at all. Um, so a lot of our clients are still seeing each other outside the gym. 
because guess what? Now with more time in their schedules, they can go on a social distance activity where you can go hike and you can go walk, you know, and you can meet up to go for a run and we can program those things still. So just because you're doing your own program doesn't mean you can't work out with other people, you know? So I have quite a few of my females that go run on the weekends together because that's their time to get social interaction that's outside of their family. Um, you know, and I think, especially with our model, we've redefined what community has to look like. Community doesn't mean that you're, you go to the gym just to see your friends because now that's a social setting. And ours has always been more based around the individual and making sure that they're getting what they need from coming into our facility. And I think that's still there 100%, you know? So the highlights, I think this is when social media is great because the highlights and the stories do allow clients to see other clients and interact with each other that way. So, you know, you still get to see the people you used to train with, but um, at least from the Bay Area for right now, people are taking this pretty serious and wanting to still respect social distancing and, you know, keeping their bubble small. So from a community side, I think we're still doing really well. Yeah, it's funny. I mentioned to Georgia this morning, um, there was a, I keep bringing in like media. There was a, there was a, an article posted on CNBC and it was a woman and she, I think she was on the East Coast and uh, this article was like, oh my gosh, she's, you know, revolution, revolutionizing fitness. She used to run this group thing and now she took her business completely online and she's thriving and she's making almost as much money as she made when she was in that group setting. Um, so I just say that, just to say that people don't, people don't understand really on a large scale what, what you're doing, right? Like they don't understand your model. They don't understand the way that we teach coaches to implement this thing, Melissa. Um, but you have your shit together, right? It's like, I wouldn't, I, if someone's listening to this, I wouldn't be like, okay, do everything that Melissa's doing and you'll be successful, right? And we know that. Um, what would you, what would your advice be to someone that wants to do something similar to you. Maybe they don't want to have an, you know, a, an ID on-site facility, but they want to run a successful remote coaching business. And when I say remote coaching, I don't mean like, uh, I, I mean remote coaching in the way that you're doing it, right? So the way that you position your brand now is more of like a train anywhere brand, right? So it's, you have, you have a membership and people that sign up for your gym, they have access to the gym if they want to, but that's not expected. They could also train in their garage or when this thing opens back up and they're on the other side of town, they can go to that commercial gym and train there. It doesn't really matter, but you're still their coach. If, if, uh, if someone listening to this wanted to really understand how to do that effectively, what, what would your advice be knowing that they probably don't have their shit together like you do? You know, so for like the group fitness instructor right now that's trying to get into the ID game, um, I think it is a little bit of a challenge if you don't, if you haven't been doing any of the programming yourself. But I do believe that's where like CCP has to come into the equation is, you know, like if you're trying to create a remote coaching program or re remote coaching business and you're giving everyone the same with that program design, um, it's probably not gonna work. So just understand that right now. It's like templates are great and I think templates can be used, but it ultimately comes down to your consultation your ability to see the person in front of you. Right. So if you're trying to take your whole entire group fitness class and you have 20 clients, it all comes down to your ability to do consultation and create a better connection to that person and why they need you and what you can offer them, whether that's stress management, whether that's more control over planning their routine and structure throughout their day. Um, a lot of what we do with our clients isn't based around the fitness program. It's much more about helping them find balance in their overall day. 
you know, so I think that's where we've been able to continue to add value, even though we've taken away the actual site in our facility. Um, it's more so like, okay, well, your whole life just flipped upside down. How can we create continuity in your day to keep you still feeling good and feeling like you're moving forward some way? Um, so I think for a new coach starting out, definitely go through CCP if you haven't already. Um, that's what we have our new coach doing right now. I think it def definitely gives you the roadmap and the structure to take this business somewhere. We did not pay Melissa to say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I see that as a business person, right? So even now, as we bring on a new coach, um, I could definitely have her shadow and onboard and do our internship process. But the whole point of CPP, in my opinion, as a business owner is I don't have to do that work now. My investment in her is having her go through CCP so that she's confident and I feel confident and then having her match in with my staff without there being a big gap between my experienced coaches and this new person. And after all of this, and I don't want to say after it because we're still in the middle of all this crap, has your definition of success as a gym owner, um, as a business leader really changed? Yes and no. I mean, I think this was a very, especially the first couple of months. Um, I am an ambassador for Lululemon, so I've spent a lot of time with other people in the fitness industry um, on a weekly basis and seeing the experiences they were going through. And there's always that pang of guilt that, 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 that it wasn't our experience. Um, we didn't have a drop in retention. Uh, I've never been scared of, am I going to be able to pay my rent? You know, so I think if anything, that's been a true validation to the model we've created. Um, and being an outlier in the beginning, because a lot of times when we started out, no one thought what I was doing was going to work. Um, so I definitely feel like success is knowing what you're seeing is wrong and knowing something needs to change and doing it. Right. For me, unfulfillment was doing group fitness and realizing like I'm not doing the best I can for my clients um, and something needs to change. So I think this situation in COVID has like proven what success is for us is that we've created a model that truly is sustainable um, and can weather this type of storm. Now, increasingly, Melissa, I have seen you be an incredibly vocal proponent for women's health issues. And I'd just love to pivot the conversation to talk about that and understand why is this topic so important to you? So I guess for me, it, you know, I hate to be the fitness instructor that says like my personal journey has slightly impacted something, but it has. And I think it ultimately came down from playing sports growing up and being a female in sports and just realizing there is truly no education or conversation around fertility or your, men your menstrual cycle or anything like that. It's like a very taboo conversation. Um, we don't have it with our parents. We don't get it at school. And so it's just this unspoken thing. And then we find ourselves in our 20s and our 30s wondering why we're having all these issues. Uh, and I was seeing it more and more with every single female that walked inside my gym doors, all having the same issues and never being able to talk about it with anyone. So that's kind of what got me as passionate about it as I am right now. Um, yeah, that's ultimately what it is, is it's, I think, just a lack of education and me trying to understand why that is and how we can start changing that narrative. What's the biggest misconception that you see when a female comes in and let's say that, you know, they were, you know, uh, kind of in your shoes or where you've been, where it's like, oh yeah, I played soccer um, at a really high level and I haven't had a, a period in six years. And they're just like nonchalant about it, right? It's like, 
what's the biggest misconception on on that specifically? Because I know that's a big thing right now, especially uh, you know relative to fitness coaches and um, athletes or past athletes being uh, you know drawn in by fitness coaches. What what's a misconception on that side? So I think the misconception is that you don't need a period in order to be healthy. Why why do you why do you need a period to be healthy? Why do you need a period to be healthy? So I want you to think of it as if we're not having a cycle every single month, right? And then all of a sudden you turn 30 and you want to have a child. Why are we having so many fertility issues taking place? I think is number one, right? So I think of it as a 16 year old, but then some, at some point becomes a 20 year old or a 30 year old and is actually now having issues with having to do fertility treatment in order to get pregnant. That's gonna be number one. I think number two is gonna be um, that we go on the pill. This is, I think, the prelude of what you said is we don't get a cycle, or we do, but we get a period bleed. Um, and we've been on the pill since we've been 14 or 15 because we got one little pimple, and our doctor told us the easiest way to cure that was just to go on the pill and not have to think about it anymore, right? So it's like most females don't even know if they get a period bleed or a pill bleed. They don't know if they should be getting a period every month or if they're okay to get it every three months. There's just no education around that, right? And that's just like a taboo conversation to have. And then as fitness coaches, we're getting, we're prescribing females nutrition programs um, that oftentimes stop periods or feeding them prescriptions that would match a male client and not a female client and wondering why all of a sudden now we're having all these issues of, I have to take biotin for my hair because now my hair's thinning out or some of the side effects that come with not getting a cycle. Um, so, I mean, I can go down a million rabbit holes about it, but I think a lot of times we've created an industry to fix a problem that wouldn't have been there if we had educated females in the first place. And I know that like two out of three of the people in this conversation have personally dealt with uh, the, some of the faults and problems of this industry. What why you... not why not three out of three? <laughs> I mean, I guess you've never had a period, so Yeah, this is bullshit. I've never had a period in my entire life. But what I want to know is how do we make that not the reality? How in five or ten years time do women not have to go what we have been through because we were pushed down this intense fitness pathway and treated as dudes basically? I think it starts with just having the conversation and being open about it. Um, you know, so the more we make it a normal conversation on our gym floor and it's normalized with my male coaches, the same as I do to ask a female when was the last time she got a cycle, um, that starts just the conversation starts everything, right? So the more we spark that conversation, the more we educate our clients, the more they are open talking about that with their friends, you know? So for me, it's just opening up the dialogue. The more we can do that, normalize the conversation, um, the more we help females not have to go through the same experience we've all gone through, right? Because it's becoming more and more of a thing. More fitness instructors, more females coming out of CrossFit are becoming more vocal of their experiences. And now it's not a shared experience that, oh, it's normal, but we're realizing it's not normal. You know, I'd say five years ago, it was a shared experience that, oh, it's just normal. We don't, none of us get our periods, you know? Um, and so I think the more we learn and the more we educate, the more we change that for the younger girls coming into this. And we're incredibly grateful that you're out there on the front lines doing that, Melissa. And it's, it's been awesome because I don't think male coaches want to not 
do the best for their clients either. You know, the more vocal I become, the more outreach I've gotten from male CCP coaches wanting to know more so they can better serve their clients. You know, so I think that's the cool thing about this. That's a good point. The, the conversation piece is a good point. Cause I remember, gosh, this was probably 2012, 2013, when I first asked one of my female clients about their cycle. And man, I was, I was, I'd been coaching for some time at that point, but not, not, not one-to-one, right? Uh, like I did PT for a long time. I did group class stuff for a long time. I did a bunch of different things, but I, I never really put a lot of, of uh, effort into the relationship building side until like 2012, 2013. And I remember asking that question to one of my female clients and I was, I was like, I tried to be nonchalant about it and I wanted to like come off as um, I'm comfortable having this conversation, but it was so fucking clear that I was uncomfortable having that conversation <laughs> because I didn't, I wasn't uncomfortable to have it. I was uncomfortable that she would be uncomfortable, right? So I was like, you know, is she going to look at me a, a, a certain type of way? Is she going to be uncomfortable talking about this? Because she was probably like mid twenties, just out of college. Um, so she felt that discomfort and me asking that question. And it was just a terrible conversation, like terrible. And I coached her for like three or four years. And like two or three years after that, we had our next conversation and we were just like super transparent about that first encounter. And she was like, yeah, I just felt really uncomfortable and no one had ever asked me that. And she didn't like blame me and say that you made me uncomfortable, but I, I knew it. I made her really uncomfortable. So I think starting that conversation and being comfortable having that conversation mm-hmm. as a coach is really important, right? It, and and we, we talk about this all the time with like talking about bowel movements and talking about people's poop. Right. It's like if I'm uncomfortable when I ask you about how many times did you poop today, Melissa, you're going to be really uncomfortable to actually tell me that. And you're definitely not going to tell me the quality of that. poop, Right. (laughs) So, you know, but if I ask you if I'm like, hey, Melissa, how many bowel movements did you have today? Okay, you had three. Okay, what was the quality of those? And I come off like that. We're just having a conversation now. So we could talk about shit for like 15 or 20 minutes and not even bat an eye. Right. But if I'm uncomfortable having that conversation, that's going to kind of steer the narrative a little bit. So I think that's a really good point where it's like we have to not only want to have the conversation, but also feel good about having the conversation and be comfortable with having that conversation. And it just comes as like the more we understand the signals that maybe something's off there, it becomes easier for the coach to ask that type of question, right? So if I see a female that's like, oh, I got like tingly fingers a lot, like limbs are cold, uh, like they're taking biotin, like if you look at their what they're taking and they're taking biotin to help like their hair grow back in because they feel like their hair isn't as full, right? And they're like, they've leaned out to a really like low body fat, like, hey, I might see that there's some stuff going wrong. And then it's a little bit easier to be like, hey, how are your cycles? Are those happening normal? And then it's like an easier safe way. But uh, I mean, even this week, I'm going to be meeting with two other OPEX, like an OPEX gym and one of the female coaches and the male coaches just to play and role play on how to have these conversations so that he's more comfortable and educated on how to, you know, start that type of language with his clients. Gosh, that's so cool. Can you record that? I just want to watch you role play period talk. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Period talk with Abby. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's the fact that there are kick-ass women like yourself um, that are leaders in the fitness industry that we're having these conversations now. And we can't deny that the fitness industry, it's a pretty male dominated space. I think that's kind of fair to say. How has being a female in the fitness industry kind of shaped who you are as a leader today? You know, I think it's been 
a mixture of experiences. Uh, like I said, I've always been kind of the youngest one in the room. So I feel like I've always kind of been the little sister of the group, uh, at least when I first started out. Um, and in CrossFit, I think a lot of my body image stuff came from CrossFit because I was always like my coach's sidekick, like the blonde girl that was always with him. Um, and it got me into a lot of rooms. So I will never be unthankful for that because I got to learn from a lot of really great people. Uh, but since coming into, I guess, the OPEX world, I think I've, the biggest thing I've always loved about it is I've always been treated as an equal. And I feel like everything I've earned is because of what I've done and not what I am as a female. Uh, so I think that's been very empowering is, you know, to change that and to see more females coming into our inner circle and how our organization has grown. It's been a really cool thing to see over the past five years. Uh, but ultimately, I think whether you're a female or you're male, it's knowing your worth and standing up for it, right? So like, if I have an opinion and I know what I'm talking about, I'm not scared to vocalize it, where I think there still are a little you, there are still some girls that shy away from trying to get into the conversation. Um, so I don't know. It's been fun. Um, I don't really see gender when I do things. You know, my staff is largely male and it's because they both brought more to the table than other females at the time. So I think it's as long as you bring in and you circle surround yourself with smarter people than yourself. Um, cool. Yeah. I mean, you're definitely, uh, setting the bar high for male and female coaches um so yeah and you know you, you get a lot of a lot of those males and females that reach out to you as you have these kinds of conversations and people get to kind of you know look into your brain a little bit and i think you'll have you'll you'll get a few more of those uh after we post this thing so yeah we appreciate everything that you're doing yeah i say when we first made this leap into opex like there was a lot of backlash like i was a square girl that like didn't want to do high intensity with her clients that wanted to do this OPEX thing that was like taking like sustainable work and doing things like we were the strict to gym for a long time. Um, you know, and now guess what? Our clients have stayed with us for five years and our retention is great. So there has been some payoff in it. You just have to like trust what you're doing. I think ultimately. You are such an incredible example of a leader in your community, Melissa, and that is why you're doing what you're doing. Uh, is there any like one or two experiences that you can recall that have shaped who you are as that leader today? I mean, I'd ultimately say that a lot of where I've gotten to was a testament to my coach at the time. Um, you know, he never, the best thing about working with Mike Lee was, um, when someone knows what you're capable of, like anytime I wasn't sure of myself, he was very good at reminding me of what I was able to do. Um, and that was like the confidence I needed in starting our business uh, and in dropping CrossFit and becoming an OPEX gym was ultimately just having someone who saw what you were capable of and reminding you of it. So that, and then uh, I've had one client who became a mentor. I think there's a difference between a mentor and a coach. Uh, he was really great on the business end. So always giving me the advice I needed to make sure I was centering myself around the things that actually mattered, right? Does it matter what color my walls are painted or does it matter about what my client retention is, right? So always bring me back to focusing on what are the biggest things that I need to be successful mm -hmm. and not getting caught up in the day-to-days. And I think that's very important for starting out coaches because it's really easy to get caught up in, have I done enough Instagram posts? Um, what have I posted in my story? And those things aren't bringing you in money all the time. 
right? So it's always, uh, that was like the biggest thing for me is truly learning what are the key priorities I need to focus on to make my business successful? And when do I know to forget about all the other little distractions? To wrap up the conversation, Melissa, I would like to ask you, uh, is there one thing that you wish that the world knew about fitness? If you could get up on a stage and yell it out and everyone would hear it and take it on, like what's that one thing? If there's one thing I wish everyone knew about fitness, um, is it's a journey, truly. So there is no right or wrong. Uh, it truly is a journey in every past experience, everything you've done is just knowledge that you can take into your next experience, right? So for the woman that's still doing bar or doing, you know, three classes a day, hey, guess what? You're learning what you love about fitness and what you don't. And that's something you can take and then evolve into where you go next. So I think that's, uh, I think that's really good advice. Mm -hmm. I like that. Thanks, Melissa. Stay with us for more Backroom Talk. Funny little uh, piece of information about Melissa going into that conversation. She was a couple days into a Nira cleanse. Yes, uh, when she met with us for a podcast, which I think was very gracious of her to accept the invitation uh, while fasting, and you would have never known that yeah. she was without food. Yeah, the first couple of days you would have known. Uh, I think she started that on like a Wednesday or a Thursday or something like that. But yeah, she was like day three or four of no food and just drinking Nira. So yeah, she was great. She had great energy. She was in a good place. Um, I, I do know she was a little bit worried about jumping on and if she would be able to sustain a conversation for an hour plus but yeah she did a great job yeah she was super sharp and uh is always just an example of a real leader in the fitness mm -hmm. industry and someone i look up to as a coach uh, and i'm sure so many p other people do she has a lot of great lessons to share uh, with other people who are really looking to build a career in fitness mm -hmm. yeah melissa's gosh she's a she's an explorer but she's very consistent in doing so, if that makes sense, right? So Melissa's always doing a lot of different things, mm -hmm. but she's always on like a straight and narrow path of staying within her lane and those things that she's doing. And she's made a great name for herself in this industry, especially in the OPEC sphere uh, with women's health. And we talked about that and you know why that inspires her and her, her past experiences um, you know, with intense fitness and going having a coach and that transition and finding her her normal and, 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 and her baseline where she can move forward and, and be quote unquote healthy. Um, so I think she, she brought a lot of really good insights and she continues to bring a lot of really good insights into that world. And, and uh, I think it's just a power, and I know you have experiences there as mm -hmm. well, but it's a powerful thing to hear someone talk about that and to be very, very upfront with it and to kind of take a stand and say, hey, this is how you do things, right? And this is, this is, these are the things that you don't want to do or you want to steer away from because these are wrong. Definitely. And I mean, women's health is really like this dirty little secret of the fitness industry. There are so many women that are working themselves into a state of sickness mm -hmm. and uh, that shows in lack of menstrual cycle and a whole other, you know, range of hormonal issues that uh, end up arising. Uh, yep. I know that on a personal level, like you said, Melissa does too. And it's so great that she's out there having upfront conversations and helping educate coaches on that as well so they yep. don't fall into that trap with their clients. So kudos to Melissa yeah. for uh, being a voice there. Yeah, she also, she also dug into kind of her model and what she's doing as a business because she's obviously a great coach, right? Um, but she's also a very, she's a better business owner. Uh, and a lot of people are surprised by that, but 
um, you know, she talked about how she transitioned from the group model and, you know, having CrossFit Cura and eventually switching over to individual design and then eventually going to uh, the OPEX and, and being one of our gyms. So she kind of took us through that journey and she's one of our most successful gyms in the world right now. And, and that's no surprise. She's a great business owner. She's very consistent and uh, she stands behind what she does 24 seven. Yeah, having that consistency is, uh, I think, a uh, theme that we'll return to over and over again when we talk about people that are successful in fitness, uh, in owning gyms, and in all other aspects of life. Yep.